0: You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick and Maddie Rose.
1: On Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour 3, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the bottom of the hour. Joel Otto and Marty Jelena. They'll be here to talk about the Flames Alumni Toy Drive, which is always a great cause. Uh, We'll ask them, too, what's with the slow starts of the Calgary Flames? Why? Why, 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 from two former players. We'll talk to them at the bottom of the hour. But right now, uh, Canada has its uh, invitees for the World Junior Championship camp, which is always exciting. Uh, but also wanted to ask our next guest the return for one Nikita Zadorov. Jason Bukala, Sportsnet draft analyst, former director of scouting with the Florida Panthers, the pro hockey group on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Guest hotline. Books. good morning. How are you? good morning fellas how's it going today it's good i wanted to get your uh your take your your first blush when you heard about the nikita zadorov deal and the return
2: well first blush uh i think i was like a lot of people i felt like the uh the return was uh kind of pedestrian in the big picture i was hoping for more i'm not gonna lie um but at the same token you know this is an example of a player who's Pending UFA and has gone public with a request to be moved out of town sooner than later. It really puts a lot of pressure on the general manager and the organization as a whole because outside entities recognize the fact that it's a more urgent scenario than than most. I guess you would say, and um, you know that 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 affects the returns. So. We all know that uh, the Flames tried to do as, uh, as best as they could, given their, their situation there. Um, but one thing I will say is that Craig Conroy took control of the situation um, outside of the return itself. Uh, you know, this is his team. This is our group. And, you know, we're not going to uh, delay, even, even when we're on kind of getting back into the race, playing better hockey, we're not going to stand by and allow the inmates to run the asylum per se. And uh, I think they did what they could.
1: Uh, Jason wanted to ask you to, um, we look at a guy like Noah Hannafin. He's played a ton of games in the NHL. He's 26. Nikita Zadorov's 28. First, both first round picks. What is the age where defensemen can still develop and learn to play at the NHL level? Because obviously uh, some of those guys are late bloomers. They hit their stride in their late 20s, early 30s. Is there a number from a scouting perspective you guys look at and go, if he's not at this level by this age, chances are he is who he is?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So Dale Talon, who I you know, worked with in Florida for a long, long time and has been around the, the NHL for over 50 years, he always used to say to us in the room that NHL defensemen aren't going to be projecting to be closer to their finished product to at least 200, ideally 250 games played at the national hockey league level. Hmm. So if you take that into perspective, you know, Hannafin, for example, I feel like Noah Hannafin has been around for 20 years. Like it's, it's incredible that he's only 26 years old. Like for the amount of miles he's got on those tires already, like this guy's, uh, this guy's a proven vet already. Um, but he is what he is now. Uh, so is Zadorov. And uh, but that kind of puts it in perspective. And 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 you know, the longer I was in the in, in working with Dale and trying to see things like, with Darren in for example, you know, we had some hiccups early with him, and it took some time. Um, even with Weegs, it took a lot, a long time with Weegar actually, because. He spent a lot of time in the minors, and, and you know, he was a later-round pick. Obviously, everybody knows he was a seventh-round pick, so that's a little bit different. But, um, you know, it takes time, guys, and, and it's it's uh, it's a very volatile spot to be in uh, position-wise. Like, there's only six of those guys on your roster. Uh, four of them are playing heavy minutes, and uh,
0: it's a heavy load. I'm interested in the trade request part of this too, because that felt like that really accelerated the whole process. Um, When you were with the Predators or when you were with the Panthers, can you recall trade requests that went public or didn't go public? Like, is there a stark difference between how many are actually made and how many fans maybe hear about?
2: We never, uh, that I can recall, we never had anything leak out uh, the way that the Zadorov situation uh, leaked out. And, um, actually, I work I heard you talking about Marty. Marty's coming on. Jill and him and I worked together in Nashville. Say hi to him for me. Okay. By the way, when uh, when you get him on. But uh, we worked together in Nashville, and, and it was really, uh, really. David Poyle did a fantastic job of making sure that none of that stuff leaked out. We were I was afraid to have any of our staff uh, speak to anybody with my general managers. There's no no chance it was going to leak out internally, and then hmm. externally uh, for whatever reason we didn't have any agents that uh, felt it was necessary to to leak out any information that, uh, that would affect the process. So, you know, I like Dan Milstein a lot. I've I've had a long relationship with Dan. Um, I think he, he does a really good job for his clients. Nikita is uh, an interesting cat. Uh, you guys have dealt with him a little bit there in Calgary. He's very outspoken. You know, he, he is what he is. And I didn't like it, guys. I, I still don't like it. I don't like doing business like that in, in the open realm. I think it's, it's bad business for everybody involved. And I prefer for things to stay in house.
0: Yeah, I, I guess. Can you expand on maybe what you heard or what you were thinking when this all did start to come to light? Like it was in Toronto, it was essentially in the middle of a game as well. Do you remember a, a request going public quite like that? No, and and
2: that's what I mean. Like when, when when you when you when you throw something like that out into the universe, especially when a team's in Toronto, uh, that's a pretty calculated decision in my estimation. I mean, anytime that... You know, when teams are in Toronto or anything's going on in Toronto, it's in any Canadian market especially. Like, let's just say any Canadian market. I mean, if if you do the same thing and you're on the road and you're playing in uh, Arizona, like, it's not going to catch as many... It's hmm. going to catch some eyes, but it's not going to have an immediate uh, rise, if you will. And um, I don't know. I just... It was calculated. I've seen a lot of people come through Toronto, uh, not just players. Uh, you know, in this type of scenario where, where things have hit the media for requests, but even you know, management type people who have been holding court looking for other opportunities, and you know, people people pick on Toronto uh, or pick their opportunities in Toronto to kind of showcase uh, whatever's on their mind, and, and that's unfortunate in my estimation.
1: Um, Jason, how, how surprised are you with how much cap space is now valued in today's game? Ooh, it's uh,
2: well, the, the flat cap over the last three years, um, you know, has really had a monstrous effect on transactions and parity in the league. There's no question about that. It's also fascinating to see how different general managers, different organizations, have spent their money to date. Uh, going forward, I'm already starting to get the feeling with the with the uh, spike, the uh, imminent spike in, in the in the, the cap, that it's going to have an effect on um, transactions that are made not only now but uh, obviously into the future. We already know that, but but it's also going to be uh, have an effect on if you make a trade in the coming months. Uh, if you take on a guy with terms, so um, when you're dealing with flat cap scenarios, you know what your budget is ahead of time. Now you're going to have that that slush fund, if you will. And some guys potentially coming off your books, uh, so that's four million plus for next year. It looks like um, it makes uh, it makes the the lands- it changes the look of the landscape in terms of trades. If you want to take on term and projecting into the future, if you want to keep a body around beyond the, beyond a the playoff run this year, so it's uh, it's fascinating how everybody strategizes it differently, but it's immensely important.
0: Ilya Solovyov got recalled because of the Zadorov trade. Can you tell us what you've noticed scouting the young defenseman in the AHL or, or maybe prior years?
2: Yeah, so he was in Saginaw for one year before he went back to uh, to Europe to play. Um, there's a lot of upside with the player. You know, he's ranger. He's got. Uh, you guys are seeing it already. He's, he's a big body. He's lean. He's not. You know, he's not really super thick or anything like that. But he's not light. Good skater. His handles are uh, his handles project out to be, you know, two AD. I don't expect them to score a lot at the NHL level. What I've noticed so far, even with this uh, short stint here at the uh, NHL level, is that, and it's going to get even more interesting here, uh, depending on how they roll out their lineup. With uh, you know Carolina coming in in a bad mood, and then <laughs> you know the Devils, the Avs, and the Vegas Golden the nights on the horizon. Um, <laughs> like that's, uh, that's those are tough games, and this kid. Um, he's going to have to make his decisions a little quicker. Eh? Guys, like uh, inside the offensive blue line, uh, I've seen some turnovers. I've seen some puck decisions, some puck maintenance that, that's going to have to uh, keep to the perimeter a little bit better, and everything's going to have to happen quicker off his stick. And then, of course, uh, defending between the dots in, in, in your defensive zone at the NHL level is immensely important. Um, he's just learning on the job. It's going to take some time.
0: One of the notes in Elliot Friedman's Written 32 Thoughts that came out this morning is about Ilya Solovyov. Apparently, when he was recalled, he was sitting on the Wranglers' flight to Vegas for a weekend against Henderson. They hadn't taken off yet, but the door had been closed, so he had to fly to Henderson and then fly right back. Um, Do you have any travel stories of recalls, players that were maybe getting recalled and had to planes, trains, and automobiles their way to a hockey game?
2: Nothing like that. I thought that was hmm. fascinating. I read I read the same thing. I mean that's gotta go in the book, right? Like that should be in yeah. the book, Plain Strange and Automobiles, The Journey of a an NHL hockey player. No, we you know, the the only good news is that uh he is play or they the Wranglers, thankfully, play right in Calgary and although that, that was an anomaly, that little that little trip, we in Florida we had our AHL team in San Antonio um, for a stretch. And let me tell you, talk about less than ideal. It's it's hard to get guys uh, <laughs> called up when you, yeah. you're in Florida and you're playing and call it Montreal and you got to try and get a guy in from San Antonio. It's uh,
1: Logistics were horrible. Jason Bukula, Sportsnet draft analyst, former director of pro scheduling with the Panthers, the pro hockey group, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest, Hotline Big Show, Russick and Rose. Nine sixty, the fan. Uh, Books, The uh, the Oilers have figured things out lately, uh, but is this just a case that it just continues to show that Connor McDavid is the ultimate deodorant, and he just covers up a lot of the stink of the Edmonton Oilers?
2: Wow, that was an awesome segue. I could yeah. have to thank that one. Well, that was great. <laughs> so, um, you know what? It's it, kind of yes. I, you know, I, I don't know how else to. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I kind of have to, to to agree with you. I mean, I did a story on the Oilers. I'm trying to, you know, are they for real? Are they back? And I broke them down. You know, there's a lot of warts on the underbelly. They, they're, they're bottom six, guys. I Off the top of my head here, I think they have less than 30 points combined. They're bottom six forwards. Um, obviously not a recipe for success. Um, the, the goaltending has spiked in the last four games. Much, much better out of Skinner. But the guys at the top, specifically McDavid, are outscoring their mistakes. And that is the MO of the Edmonton Weathers. Um, Make no mistake. Um, You know, they can outscore their mistakes. And if they get good enough, just average ball setting, and if they're average on the defensive side, then they're going to be really hard to beat on any given night because their element, um, obviously, is offense. So um, it's not a perfect recipe, though, overall. The underbelly there will circle back in a little while. I'm interested to see because there's a lot of moving parts there. Now, of course, we've got uh, Philip Broberg in the news as well, a former first-round pick in 2019 who's uh, clearly unhappy. So,
0: Yeah, sounds like he's, you know, the, the Oilers have granted his agent permission to talk to other teams and try and find another situation for Broberg. What have you seen scouting this player? Because, you know, some come through with the Condors and play the Wranglers once and, thought at that level he really excels he's a good skater he's got good offensive instincts what have you seen from this player and and what do you think that the oilers could maybe get back via trade
2: so it's gonna be fascinating what they get back Uh,
0: traditionally teams
2: even when you don't uh, develop your first round pick to the maximum ability in your organization still traditionally uh, teams overvalue their own players their own prospects if you will and Um, From the outside looking in, Groberg, big body, skates very well, can transport the puck with his legs, move it, join as an extra layer if required, but overall lacks any type of confidence and doesn't identify right now as uh, he doesn't fit in a certain category at the NHL level with the Edmonton Oilers. He looks like he's lost the translation. If you look at his minutes that he does play, You know, Some nights they roll him out on the second power play unit when he does dress, and he hasn't dressed forever. But when they do, they roll him out that way. But he doesn't look confident getting pucks to the net. He's a distributor at best. Defensively, I think he's been average plus. I I don't think he's been horrible. Um, In a roundabout way, what I'm looking at right now is a big body who can skate. I'm calling him a 2AD. I think he's still got a lot of upside. He needs a reset. I think the return will be dependent upon it's obviously dependent upon who's buying the stock but i think you're looking at a team like a, a san jose sharks type team that's in rebuild where they can roll them out and play them 18 to 20 minutes a night and let them settle into a roll uh, over a team that's retooling or a contending team that will pick up the stock uh, i think it's a it's a rebuilding franchise that will go after them.
0: what have you made of the sharks turnaround here lately it doesn't look like they're going to be hands and feet the the worst team in the league this year
2: it's it's incredible like I mean I was uh I think we might have even been talking about it or, or certainly we were thinking about it I was thinking like Washington Capitals circa early 1970s yeah. when I saw the San Jose Sharks at the beginning and and uh you know what Good on them they look like they're uh they're they're pulling their rope in the same direction they look like they're more enthusiastic about playing hard uh, for each other um at the beginning of the year they just look like completely lost they look like an east coast league team playing in the nhl but uh everything about their energy is better wins will do that you know they got the monkey off their back on the road and um the coach also Well, you know the gm went in and and kind of uh laid down the uh laid down the law a little bit too right so it's um it's interesting they're not a great team like that's not let's not get all caught up in it obviously they're going to challenge chicago for you know first overall type thing, but uh, well, Columbus is not very good either. Um, that's a story for another day, but San Jose is what they are and they're going to move parts out uh, uh, you know, Ferraro's in the news and that's going to be a nice add if somebody can have that uh, that player on the back end.
1: Uh, Jason, uh, people surprised in Pittsburgh that pairing Carlson and Letang isn't really working. Why would they be surprised when it didn't work when they paired him with Brent Burns in San Jose?
2: Well, great question. So, Carlson for me, you know, even when he's winning Norris trophies, guys, um, he's a dash player. He's not reliable. Um, like when you partner with Eric Carlson, um, you have to be, uh, you have to understand that your responsibility goes up another 25% off the puck and spatially all over the ice. That's just the way it is. And, um, I don't know why they They would pair that together and think that it would work. Um, Uh, I don't, I don't, like, I almost feel bad for Kristen Tang that way. And to a degree, I guess Carlson, too, because you're not, you're not putting him together with guys that, like, Carlson needs to play with a guy like Ryan Graves. You you get my drift? Like, he needs to play with somebody like that who's just going to keep the play in front of him and let him be the whirling dervish that he is. Um, So, it's that, that, that's another interesting view, right? Like, if you're pro scouting, you want to watch a game, you're looking at that, you're like, wow, that's interesting. Uh, This probably isn't wise. And in my estimation, it's not.
0: Yeah, it's it's been wild to kind of look around the league and see all of these teams that are up and down. It's that time of year, Jason, when everything gets all mysterious. What do you think um, we're going to see before the holiday freeze here? Do you think we're going to start seeing any more de- deals or after that, things start to heat up and, and teams start to get ready for the stretch run there?
2: I think there's too much parity right now. Mm-hmm. I think that the runway is still um, in front of some teams, you know, right there in Calgary, you know, like – Again, as we've talked about before, you know, my approach is doing things in segments and I'm, you know, the other night they weren't very good guys. They were, well, they weren't even, they were worse than not very good. You know, the, the the puck in the first period seemed like a tennis ball to the Calgary Flames the other night. Like it was horrible. And now, now they're running into a, a, another four game segment here. Like I said, hurricanes, devils, abs, Vegas, and a lot of teams are doing the same sort of thing. So that takes you almost right up to the Christmas break. Um, So I don't anticipate anything until after Christmas but for example, if Calgary, if things go sideways in the next four games, and now all of a sudden you're five games under, and you're getting into January, uh, big decisions are going to have to be made.
0: We got the uh, selection camp rosters coming out for basically every team now has has been released. Uh, anything surprise you from what we saw from Team Canada yesterday?
2: Yeah, two omissions from the Western Hockey League really surprised me. At least to get an invite to train or to the camp, you know. Um, like leaving Andrew Crystal and, and, and Riley Height off the roster, um, you know, Crystal's got like, he's like a two point a game guy, 42 points in 21 games, I think, and Height's like uh, even more. Well, he's about 53 points, I think, in 26 games. You know, PG's in first place, like, and he's he, he's got, you know, your leading scorer, and they're plus players. Like Crystal's uh, like a plus six, and Height's like a plus 10, and one's a first place team, one's in the middle of the. the so from a Scout's perspective, Uh, from the outside looking in those were two omissions that I thought were pretty glaring for me Uh, but uh, looking at the entirety of the team candidate roster for example I see in my estimation that they are going to be um, leaning energy uh, in your face um, type of group that you can see how they're trying to to shape their team like it's not just going to be all about skills so they obviously have a plan in place. Um, it's an exciting time of the year. I don't want to discount anybody that's at that camp um, because I'm, I'm polling for them, obviously, like we all are. But uh, those two names certainly were uh, for big omissions. And there's another one. I'll throw it in there. Hunter Brustowitz. this is an example of... Uh, so he's he's been a juggernaut in the Ontario League the from the uh, Vancouver Canucks draft pick. He didn't even get invited to Team USA's camp. He's like third or fourth in Ontario Hockey League scoring. Uh, overall, uh, leading the, the league in defensive scoring. And that's an example of an American player that, that didn't go through the U.S. national team program or college hockey. And uh, in my view, they they get blackballed a little bit. He didn't even get an invite to Team USA's camp, and, and he deserved it. Uh,
1: Jason, is the ultimate internal struggle not to overrate and get too excited what you see through a two-week tournament?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's... It's it's similar at at the end of the year too, guys. Like uh, for the men's worlds, um, it's interesting, isn't it? How teams overhype um, either their prospects or you're going to see a kid that hasn't been drafted yet, and there's going to be a
1: ton of hype around him. Mostly, Slavkovsky? Most that... sorry, sorry, Slavkovsky. Oh, sorry, yes. <laughs>
2: well,
1: uh, he's going to be all right. Let's all right. let's take a log off the fire there.
2: Give that one a little bit of time. But it's okay. a good example. I mean, those those. Those small, those small windows, those tournaments, like Slepkowski you know, Olympic games, World Championships, stuff like that. Um, yeah, you you can situational success can be misleading, one way or the or 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 the other way around too. You might be put in a position you're a centerman full time, you're asked to play the wing, or you're a left uh, left shot B who's asked to play the right side, and you know you're exposed, and now somebody's going to hold you accountable. So perspective is everything. You gotta you gotta keep it in perspective.
0: What do you think Samuel Honzik's role is going to be for uh, Team Slovakia? Uh,
2: leadership group, for sure. Um, I would imagine that they're going to hopefully, that hope that he uh, contributes offensively. So the Slovaks are going to have a hard time scoring goals, uh, so I think that the good thing you get out of uh, Samuel is his size, his length, uh, the fact that he can uh, be slotted into a variety of roles. He'll be able to extend plays, as we all know, in the hard areas with that length. Um, but I think they're going to be really looking at them. Uh, Win key face-offs, match-up against top six opponents, hopefully pitching more than anybody else offensively, but uh, perhaps more importantly, just uh, keep the high-end opponents off the score sheet when he's on the ice.
0: Just want to go back to Canada for a second. Um, Do you think any of the Western leaguers are going to get cut? I looked at the group of nine, I believe, that are that got selected to the camp, and I, I kind of have a hard time seeing any of them not making the team.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Like, I think Ratzlaff should uh, should make the team in net. Yeah. Um, you know, Matejchuk could be the captain of the team. I like him as a leader. uh Molendijk adds a lot on the back end. Yeah, I don't really see, like, uh, the Perkis Circus or the Moose draw is uh, <laughs> is a fun thing to watch. Um, I don't uh, – you know, Fraser Minton, Jaeger, I guess, I guess maybe Jaeger might, if I had to, he might be the one that has to define himself the most out of all those guys. Um, but I don't see a red flag out of anybody in the Western league. I, I see most of those guys on the team.
0: How about the uh, highlight reel from Connor Geeky earlier in the week? Oh yeah. No,
2: listen, Connor Geeky. I like this kid a lot. Um, you know, I like those big guys that can, uh, do slick things with the puck, and uh, he's a fun kid too. Like uh, back in the, I'll, I'll bore you guys. Back in the uh, the combine a couple of years ago, uh, when we were interviewing him, like, he's got some talents off the ice too. Like plays the guitar and sings songs, and you know he's 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 uh, he's one of those really cool personalities. That's a. Those are the cool things in these tournaments. If this kid makes that team. And they go over there. He's the type of kid that packs his guitar, and they're sitting around one day in the room, you know, and he's he's stringing some tunes and whatever else, and and you, and you remember those things as takeaways behind the scenes as, as teammates. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how geeky uh, planes out in Arizona, isn't it? Because they're they're the coverts are stocked in Arizona. Oh, yeah. They're not going to have enough room for all those guys.
1: Um, Books wanted to ask you before I let you go. Um, I, I, this isn't like let's do a summit kind of thing, but. Is uh hockey Canada maybe falling behind developing players the way the Americans are right now?
2: Our model needs a reset yeah i'd I'd love to have a further deep dive into this down the road when we all have more time on it, but we need a reset guys we're not our infrastructure can be better. our development model needs uh needs more structure across the board um we're falling behind. Territorially, obviously the U S has a lot uh, bigger population, but you know, hockey was coming at, at us in pockets out of the U S there was a time and people say it's because of expansion in Arizona and when Gretzky went to LA and all this other thing, but I'll, I'll go to another level, their infrastructure and the, the way they develop players and develop their coaches and how they stay on a straight line doing it. Um, you know, I guess I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because they, they don't invite brush to their camp because they have a, a, a certain type of structure they, they implement, but at the same time, um, I see why they do it, because they do have that structure, and they, they reward those who, who play within it. Um, we're, we, we, we can seriously use a reset. Um, we're not the juggernaut that we used to be, and uh, winning now and again gives us that really... We take pause. like When we have a really good event, like in Halifax last year, it's great for the country, it's great for everybody, I get it, but uh, the, the, the entirety can be a lot better.
1: Jason Bukula, Sportsnet draft analyst, former director of Pro Scunning with the Panthers, the Pro Hockey Group. Uh, Always a pleasure, Books. Thanks for this.
2: Hey, great to talk to you guys. Have a great day and uh, look forward to the World Juniors, fellas. Uh, Talking to you from Gothenburg, Sweden.
1: For sure. We'll catch up for you. When do you leave?
2: I leave on the 27th. So I'm there from the 28th all the way to the end. Okay. uh, Can't wait. We'll definitely
1: catch up with you in Gothenburg, Sweden. Thanks for this, pal.
0: All right, boys. Have a good day. Always the best.
1: So smart. Knows his stuff.
0: I have a meeting to ask him about Carter Yakumchuk for like three interviews, and I keep forgetting. I just run out of time because there's so much good stuff to get to.
1: Okay, well, we'll have him on during the juniors. I think Yakumchuk will be
0: there next year for the juniors for Team Canada. That's my take today. Okay. That's what I'm going with. I've gone from he's going to be a first-round pick for sure to, yeah, I think he's going to be on Team Canada
1: next year. All right. Could be a two-year eligibility guy. Uh, we think Joel Otto and Martin Gelenna will join us in studio. Oh, I ahead. see Joel Otto right there. Oh, okay, so that's good. Still Marty, on Marty. With them? Still on Marty. I don't. Okay.
0: I, I, I don't see the eliminator. Well,
1: at least uh, Joel Otto will be in studio for sure, guaranteed. Uh, Flames alumni next. It's the big show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet nine sixty. The fan. It's the big show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet nine sixty. The fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, downtown studio. It's a party in here, bro. It is. There's a lot of, uh, there's two former professional athletes and then, uh, two slugs. And that's you and me. We're the, I'm a proud slug. slug. I'm a proud slug. We're definitely the slugs. That's me. No, 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 Marty. Stop it. (laughs) Oh, are you you guys good? Uh, flames, a little louder. You need a little louder. Are you good? Can't hear anything? It's all right. Can you hear us? Yes. Yeah, if you just speak in the microphone, you're fine. Uh, Flames alumni, um, Joel Otto and Marty Gelina in studio right now, joining us for a great, great cause. Uh, The toy drive for the Flames alumni starts um, December 9th against the Devils and then December 18th against Florida. Joel, we'll start with you. Uh, Just talk about how important this is and obviously the perfect time of the year to do it.
3: Well thanks for having us uh, this morning guys. Um, Yeah this is our fifth annual um, brainchild of Rhett Warner uh, Mm. a number of years ago and uh, uh, it's been doing going great. Uh, We just you know want to be a organization that tries to help in the community. We know how charitable Calgarians are. There's a lot of toy drives throughout the city. We're not trying to take anything away from them. We just want to help some families and uh, uh, it's been a good thing. Uh, We've got a great alumni and very supportive of, uh, of this event. So. Uh,
1: that, that's one thing I've definitely noticed being new to the city is that uh, everyone speaks so highly of the Flames alumni. You guys, especially you, Marty, you've played in a lot of other cities, a lot of different markets. What separates the Calgary alumni
4: from other cities? You know, I, th- I think the players, there's a lot, first of all, there's a lot of players that, that uh, live in, in Calgary because they do appreciate uh, the quality of life that you're going to get after hockey. So there's a lot of uh, players that want to end up living there but uh what makes it special i think is, is the people here uh people are are giving and they're they they want to help out and and uh, i think the players want to be part of that so so it's kind of it's a good partnership between the mm-hmm. players and and the community community is awesome uh when you think about uh how much they give and and uh we're we're lucky to be part of it
0: I got to ask you about the alumni skates, too, because Uh uh, Brent Cron texted me and said uh, (laughs) he (laughs) was playing pretty well yesterday. (laughs) And I I need confirmation. Yeah.
4: If anything, you know what? He is really good because he. He does take a lot of room in the net. (laughs) uh, (laughs) And uh, if there's any pucks that is low, yesterday he was not, it was tough for him to get down on the ice. But when he did, he was really good.
1: Uh, The text is, ask Jelena how many goals he (laughs) got on me at the alumni (laughs) skate yesterday. I got one. Okay. All right. (laughs) Bar down? What are we talking about here?
4: No, there's nothing barred down
0: anymore. <laughs> uh, were you
1: aware that his nickname was the Cobra? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, when he played in the American Hockey League, day, some some fan made him a sign. He was like, because his glove was so fast, like a cobra. It sounds like one of his
3: own that he's yeah. yeah. No, no. He, he actually told us the
1: story. Lou Gazdick uh, was the one who uh, told us the story, and uh, he was nicknamed the Cobra, uh, which is incredible. Just wanted to ask you guys, um, the Flames have had some issues starting games lately you guys played both a ton of games in this league it, it's easy for us to say you know they got to start on time got to get things going uh, i'll start with you joel how do guys in that room they obviously know the situations they know you're you're behind it right away if you get scored on first how do you change that mentality heading into a game
3: uh tough one not being in the room um i'm sure you know it's obviously on the players i'm sure the coaching staff has done uh, a number of things to try to prepare them for each game, whether it's meet more meetings, less meetings. Uh, um, but as a player, you probably have to change uh, some type of your your routine that you have. Uh, just you know, even though you know your routine helps you, you gotta try to figure something out to help you get ready for the game. Whether that's sit with your line or just try something. Maybe uh, maybe as a team, have a number of shots in the first five minutes, five mm. ten, ten minutes, something. Mm-hmm. Get your mind set on simple things. Uh, um, but I'm sure they're trying all those things. Um, they, you know, Those are good players in that room, and they'll figure it out.
1: Uh, Marty, would you be playing tighter in that situation not to get scored on first?
4: Uh, you know what? It's, it's always on your, in the back of your mind. But uh, I, I think Ryan Oscar is probably talking to his leadership group and say, listen, uh, this is something that we need to address, and, and they'll probably talk. And that leadership group, the captain, the assistant captain, whoever's in that group, We'll go and make sure that everybody's on page. But Joel is right on. Uh, you know what? You want to have success early. you got to make sure as an individual you're ready to go, ready to rock when the, the, the puck drops. So, so whatever you got to do, uh, if it worked or didn't work, if it worked, you keep going. If it didn't work, you might want to change a few things. But it's a mindset.
0: Are you uh, more meeting or less meeting type of guy, Joel, if things aren't going well? Less meetings or more meetings? That was a long time ago. I, um,
4: <laughs> <laughs> the meetings were different less
3: now. Um, it's all different. Um, I'm sure the the coaching staff has tried a number of things. They, you know, they know what they're doing in there. Um, sometimes, as a player, it's just about going out and performing, and less meetings for sure. Other times, if you're not addressing what you're supposed to do, you have to be told, and it is what it is. So.
0: Six-game homestand around the holidays. Am I reading into that being maybe a bit of a distraction? Am I reading into that a little bit too much, boys?
4: You know what? It, it's always, you know, when you go on the road during the Christmas break, is, there's so much going on. To be yeah. honest with you, i, I got to be honest with you, like Christmas parties or, or friends having get-together and, and uh, the players that have kids. I mean, there's lots going on. Is there a distraction? As you get older, if you're Michael Backlund... Uh, you should put that aside. You know what I mean? If you're mm-hmm. younger, maybe it's a distraction. But as you get older, uh, you're more mature. You know how to prepare. You know how to get ready. Uh, you should put that all of that aside.
1: Is that something we forget about as fans and media, Joel, that ultimately you guys are human beings and not just commodities on the ice? Like you have, you know, issues and problems and things mm-hmm. to worry about like everyone else. Well, sure. But you also have this incredible, you know, top of 1% on the planet job. For that, sure. uh, and, 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 extremely it's about performance, and it's extremely public and it's all about performance. Do hmm. we forget the human hmm. aspect of all of this?
3: Uh, you couldn't have said it any better. Um, absolutely. We're, we're, we're all humans. We do have families. We do have lives. Um, but it is our job and, uh, it's an enjoyable job. Um, uh, and it, and you have to take it personally that, uh, this is what you do and you prepare yourself for that. Um, my wife, I know I'm sure Marty's wife, Jane, Made a lot of sacrifices when we played, um, helping us to be uh, the best hockey players we could be, and it is what it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of the way it goes. Uh, I did want to ask you about some of the players here. We got the uh, announcement earlier the week that Mackenzie wieger got a new kind of organization, a, a new initiative going, uh, way, uh, Weeks for Wags, I believe is the name, where he's doing some stuff with pets. Do you like seeing the new players in here and how they're giving back to the community as much as they do? You mentioned Michael Backlund already, Marty, yeah. who kind of the poster child for it.
4: No, 100%. And I think it's so important. And, and uh, it was interesting. We had our Christmas party We where uh, the ownership was there. They invited some alumni because uh, the ownership and the, the Calgary Flame realized how important the alumni is. hmm and then by having alumni around, uh, 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 players that are playing right now, I think they're the, the, the new players are realizing, okay, I got to give back. You know, if if if, if you got a guy like Lanny McDonald, who <laughs> who's at every event and and is, is got a great personality, he's willing to give back. I think the young players are seeing that, seeing the value, seeing how it feels, and and they want to do the same. So I I find it uh, fantastic that. Uh, uh, players want to get involved more and more and especially in our community uh, when you give back uh, I think the volunteers or the people are receive uh, you, you feel so much more in return
3: I would add just the family atmosphere you sure. know, we had ownership back in the day and it, as the ownership is now uh, um, it was a family um, we uh, we all wanted to be here um, um, it's the same with marty's uh, what marty's talking about with the new guys I um, us being there, uh, understanding that we're all part of the, the organization, and um, it's uh, it's. We're, we're a
4: family. When exactly. I go back to the days where Arlie had his his family uh, gathering in the backyard and so on, and uh, and I think I'm sure this is what Craig Connor was trying to accomplish here is is becoming a family and feeling like you're part of something special.
0: And you see the kind of different generations, obviously, right? And, and there's new players constantly coming in. Uh, I asked Candace Gowdy earlier when we were at the golf tournament, who is a player that she is? And I'm not trying to push anyone in retirement, but a current player that she's excited to see join the alumni. Is there anyone that comes to mind as far as a flame right now that you're excited to kind of <laughs> see what he can do as far as giving back to the community when he doesn't have to play all the time?
4: Is he done or is he still playing? <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, right. He he's playing right now, but <laughs> he will be done eventually.
4: Well, that's well. We're all gonna be done. Eventually. Yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? That's a good. I mean, you, I mean, it's, it would be easy to say Michael Back yeah, absolutely. Where, where is he gonna end up after it's all said and done?
3: It's a good point. Yeah. I he, I think there's a number of Flames players playing now, obviously, that are giving back in the community. I see them out mm-hmm. quite a bit now. Uh, they were all at the hospital um uh the other day the children's hospital doing the carnival event and yes I, I think they're out in the public and i think that's a wonderful thing
4: like like Dubé is, is yeah from here right like you he, he could do a little bit more there for sure
1: uh that is the uh voice of martin jelena and joel Otto, calgary flames mm-hmm. legends joining us here in studio mm-hmm. uh it's the big show russic and rose Sportsnet 960, the fan. Uh, I wanted to want to ask you, Marty. Um, how many times people bring up uh, the goal that was in that wasn't in uh, in '04? Like, Hoffman. how often do you hear that in a week?
4: <laughs> uh, not probably. I mean, maybe. It's- Two three times in a week, it depends. but
1: that's still a lot. Uh, it's still almost twenty you know, years ago. You
4: know, isn't that crazy? You know yeah. what? It's 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 wonderful. This is why I. I it love, was in though, right? I love Calgary. You know what? From my standpoint, <laughs> actually, I I did an interview the other day, and we were we were right beside the net, and he said, "Did it go in?" Well? I said, "You know what? I drove the net, and it's not like I I scored my stick, I hit my my uh, hockey uh, skate, and then the cross, and then from where I was standing, it was in." But <laughs> you know, I always say that. I wish my personality is always kind of quiet and, and uh, you know, like they back and so on. I wish I would have done something different. Uh, I would start celebrating, putting my arms up. And, right. then, and then because the puck went the other way and then start tracking back after. So, yeah.
1: Uh, you're, you're both Stanley Cup champions, and uh, we had uh, Colin Patterson in studio. And I want to ask you guys the same question. The night before you won the Cup, how was your sleep? How did you sleep the night before, Joel? Let's start with you.
3: Um, Good question. I probably was restless. Um, I think the excitement uh, a little bit of knowing you were on the brink. We were up three games to two. Um, uh, Being away from home, you're in another environment, uh, in a hotel room. Um, Probably the nap the next day that you usually have was not there, if I recall (laughs) right. Um, You just wanted to get the game going and... uh, uh, we had a good team where we were, you know, focused and prepared and, um, you know, we, ate. it was fun. Uh, as far as sleep, I doubt I got a lot, but mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. probably don't remember as much as I. And do, do you, you remember know, the
1: night yeah, before?
4: You what know, I, I, uh, well, if you got to remember when I won the cup at the, with the Oilers. Yep. I was 19, so at 19, uh, you don't overthink. You must be like, it's easy. This is easy, you, you, right? Yeah, you, you know, you don't <laughs> overthink it. So I think that afternoon, like the the day before, yeah, you're nervous and you're excited, and 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 you see, oh my God, that could happen tomorrow, right? For sure. The next day, that uh, pregame nap it was uh, it was nothing there. Uh, but I remember as I got older in, in 1994 with the Canucks when we win Game 7 against uh, the Rangers, I didn't sleep. I was older. <laughs> you realize, okay, you know what? We got a chance here, but that might never happen again. 2004, not asleep. Just because now you're, you're, you're seeing when you're 19 years old, you sleep like a baby. Right. You, you, you think it's going to happen all the time. But, but when, as you get older and you know, this is so hard, and it yeah. get, it's even harder now um, that, uh, yeah, yeah, there's a little more pressure, a little more, uh, yeah, a little less sleep. I, I,
1: I've had this discussion uh, with friends of mine. I want to get your opinion from a guy you played with and What would Pavel Bure, Bure score in today's game with how it's open and you can't clutch and grab and it's geared towards offensive players and the power play? What would Pavel Bure score in today's game?
4: He was the fastest player back then. Obviously, McDavid now. McDavid's different style. When you think about Pavel Bure, he was like a, he was like a, a truck, but a truck that could go from point A to point B in, yeah. in no time. Where McDavid is a little more fluid on the ice and so yeah. on. So two different styles. But Pavel was so so fast. So how would he be? Uh, you would you would be good, but the defensemen are also better. So you know, what <laughs> right. I mean? It's a kind of it's a little bit of a combo.
1: Um, I wanted to ask you. Uh, you both don't have your rings on. Uh, I asked Joel the question before he jumped in, Marty. Um, where do you keep the ring? How often do you wear it? If you're having a bit of a bad day, do you just throw it on and just recollect? Like, Where, where do you keep the ring off and do you wear it? Uh,
3: well, first of all, I, I know before we were able to win, you would say to yourself, gosh, if we ever win, I'd wear it every day. Yeah, I'll never take <laughs> it off. Never yeah. it off. Um, I wear it. Uh, I know Calgarians like to see it. I'll, sure. Uh, I'll, I'll wear it at events that we do in town. I'll wear it to the Saddledome if we're going upstairs to the Platinum Club to watch a hockey game because I know people like to see it. Um you know, we're very. I'm very proud of being able to sort sure. have want it. Um, um, but I don't wear it. I'd keep it at home, obviously. Um But I don't wear it every day. What um. about you, Marty? When do you wear I don't
4: it? You wear it. Last time I probably wore my ring was probably five years ago. Really? Yeah. I, 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 where is, know, is it right I, now? Like, my wife's got it <laughs> put away somewhere. I don't even know where. it is. <laughs> but if I need it, I'll ask her. Uh And and to be honest with you, it's just I I find it big. And then, but, right. but if there's an event here, it's different for me than Joel because, for me, I come here with my ring. It's a order's ring, not, right. a, not a Calgary <laughs> Flames ring. So right, it's a little bit different there.
0: Uh, gentlemen, you are here for the toy drive. We have four stops coming up on the schedule, if I'm not mistaken, uh, or four dates. I'm going to go with yep. uh, this weekend, December 9th, against the Devils, toy drive. December 18th, Panthers come to town. Toy Drive. Yep. And then on the 10th, you guys have a couple of places you're going to be at. On the 17th, three locations you're going to be at. Can you tell us a little bit about the Toy Drive and kind of where you're going to be at and when people need to be on the lookout?
3: Uh, Yeah, uh, you bang on. We are starting to collect this weekend. We are going to be at Toys R Us at two locations uh, this Sunday um, down in Legacy and at Cross Iron Mills. Um,
4: Uh, We're in Sunridge this weekend.
3: Oh, Marty's in Sunridge. I'm sorry. Cross Iron Mills will be uh, (laughs) the following weekend. Uh, the following Sunday will be at South Calgary Brentwood and then Cross Iron Mills. But we are, we are taking uh, any toy, unwrapped toys. Um, you know, we're partnered with the Police Youth Foundation mm-hmm. to uh, select families of need that uh, we go out and deliver on Christmas Eve, which has been a wonderful thing for us and them. Uh, and surprise, not surprisingly, uh, the need for food, um, you know, yeah. grocery items and and gift cards are. Uh, greatly appreciated and cash if you're not able to bring a a toy to any of these drop-off places, but, uh, um, we're excited. We got some alumni coming out this weekend, uh, Mm -hmm. at both events. So, uh, please come by, drop, uh, drop something off would be appreciative, but, uh, come over and say hi.
0: The website is calgaryflamesalumni.com. It's a great website. The toy drive has its own page. It has a ton of information here for everybody who's looking for it. Um, have any favorite toys from your past? Do you have any mm. Christmas toys that you can mm. recall that kind of maybe set you on the trajectory to falling in love with the game of hockey? You know
4: what? It's, it's a good question. You know the the, the old table hockey uh, that was my oh, yeah, yeah. The <laughs> little <laughs> bubble hockey no the bubble it was no bubble oh pack. no it was it table yeah, was yeah. Table. which
1: team are you Marty Leafs uh, or Habs uh, which was, one? Uh, okay yeah. yeah you're a french guy i get it <laughs> he, he, i get he, it yeah, i get him, it leffler
4: was my uh go-to guy when i was a kid you know what you're asking about uh your favorite toy mm-hmm. this is what carrie and my wife are putting together for those 25 families that we're going to go to is uh something that that will make their christmas special so sure uh it could be uh, chocolate it could be w- whatever that is they're going to put something very very special for those kids and that's what it's all about, is, is for, for them to kind of remember and make it uh, pretty neat.
1: Uh, Joel, your favorite toy. Come
3: on. We oh, jeez. I, I grew up in the States. Uh, hockey was big, um, for sure. And that was the hockey season. Um, probably jerseys or something. And unfortunately, it was a Montreal Canadiens jersey, which <laughs> my dad was a fan back then. I was a North Star fan. Um, oh, really? I'm not a mm. Habs fan anymore, unfortunately. But, right. Uh, or fortunately. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, uh, yes,, yeah, so, uh, anything my I had three younger brothers, so anything that we could go out and uh, play with was, yeah, was I uh, ideal.
1: I told us to Rick Natras. I grew up a Habs fan, so, yeah. uh, thanks for making me cry as a child. Yeah well. As Rick Natchez I'm said. I'm not a Habs fan anymore. Uh, no. Rick Natchez <laughs> told me, it was my pleasure, yeah. bud. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. That's, uh, that's perfect. Um, where are you guys going to be at the Dome? So uh, when people are coming to the Dome against uh, the Devils and against the Panthers, where in the Dome are you guys going to be situated when people are going to
3: the game? I'm pretty sure we're, uh, right in the doors as you come in from awesome. the uh, main doors, which is oh, It's uh, I come in one door nowadays. but yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I wish Tanya was here to help us out with that. Uh, but we, we will be very visible coming into the cool. dome. Uh, we will have a, this weekend is a Saturday's afternoon game. So we're going to be set up outside to begin with. So if you would rather just drop it off there instead of draw, bringing it inside, we will be there uh, to collect as well. Also, cool.
4: and I think we'll be uh, uh, for period number uh, one and two will be section 225, I believe. Okay. But that'll be on the website. Uh, but, but for a lot of people, they, you know, they, it'll be last minute. They didn't have a chance to go get a toy. Uh, we'll have a QR code there so they could donate there. And, nice. And, and, and then what we'll do is is we'll go and return this. We get a lot of requests from uh, kids uh, and, and their family, and this is what they're hoping to get. And yeah. we'll match exactly what they want for Christmas. So,
1: uh, It's an absolutely uh, great cause. Uh, gentlemen, uh, it's been our pleasure. Thanks for jumping in today. Uh, Flames Legends, Joel Otto and Marty Jelena. Uh, that's it for us. You're off tomorrow. I'm uh, out. Enjoy here, your three-day weekend. <laughs> I'm done. This uh, is a nice way to cap my week. Happy days. Uh, uh, yeah. Patrick, what do you got coming up on Mucho Big Show? Oh, we're going to preview tonight's game with uh, GBP. Okay, awesome. Yeah. There you go. Great stuff. All Simple. right, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a terrific day. Bye. Bye.
3: Thanks, guys. guys, thank you very sit. much. Yeah. Thanks.
1: Good dog.